Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, if you are joining us online, if you're joining us here in person this morning, we're so grateful that you've chosen to be here as we celebrate an event that has transformed my life, has transformed many of your lives, and has transformed the world. And that's the day that God became flesh. Anybody excited to celebrate that this Christmas? So this morning, let me ask, how many of you recognize that last song our worship team sang? Anybody recognize that song? A few hands. Don't be shy. You can hold your hands up. Yeah. So the rest of us are going like, where'd you hear that song? Because I don't listen to that on the radio. I won't turn that on this Christmas season and find it anywhere. Well, that's a song that Matt and our worship team learned just for today. And it comes from Matthew chapter one that we're going to be exploring. But I wanted us to give kind of a a quick round of applause to our worship team for learning that for today. They've done an amazing job of that. And for Matt to memorize that, you got to tell him, way to go, man, because that is one of the hardest passages in the Bible to memorize when you're learning names like that. But we'll look at that in just a minute. But I want to tell you this before we get started today. Today's message is probably going to be one of the weirdest Christmas messages you've ever heard. Aren't you glad you're here? And yet, I think it has the potential to be one of the most encouraging Christmas messages maybe you've heard in a long time. So now that I've piqued your interest, is anybody ready to get started? Great. Okay, here we go. So the title of this series that we've been in for the past few weeks is The Gift Exchange. And we're talking about this concept of exchanging our gifts for gifts that God gives us. And we've drawn a little bit of that from something that I think most of us are familiar with. Most of us are familiar with a gift exchange. Um, sometimes with families, we, we give it some creative names. Somebody came up with like the dirty Santa name or the white elephant name. There's all kinds of names for gift exchanges. But I'm curious, how many of you have kind of a tradition, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe with friends, where you do some sort of gift exchange? Okay, a number of you. Now, There's different ways to do gift exchanges, but my family does one. So both sides of our family, my side of the family, my wife's side of the family does gift exchanges. And we do it with uh, uh, kind of the, the family rule where we decide a certain amount that we can get a gift for and you get it for under that amount and then everybody brings a gift. We put it in the middle and we draw numbers. And whoever's number one, if you're familiar with this, you know they get to pick from the pile in the middle and pick the first gift. And then number two can do what? Steal this gift. You've played this game before. So they can steal from number one. They can pick from the pile in the middle. Number three can steal from number one, number two, or from the pile in the middle. Number four, all the way down until you get back to number one. And again, there's all kinds of rules. But in our family, number one gets to steal from anybody they want because you know stuff's been stolen from them and they didn't get that opportunity. And so I think it's so wonderful that my family loves to celebrate the gift of Jesus by stealing from each other. It's really fun. You should try it maybe this Christmas. Some of the gifts that are given are great gifts and everybody wants them. Some of the gifts aren't so great. They're kind of re-gifted and nobody wants them. So for example, here's one gift that nobody wants. A few years ago, a friend of mine gave me as a gift some adult pajamas 
the, the kind that have the sleeves and the footies, and they're really not adult pajamas because I put them on and I stand up and it's like I'm squeezing out, you know, the, the size of these pajamas. So they're really like uh, large kid pajamas. And I, when I got those, I thought, I'm going to put them in my family gift exchange. So I put those in the gift exchange, and it's kind of become a family tradition. And what we do with it is whoever gets it, we make them put it on. We take a picture of them, and now we post it on social media so that the world can enjoy what this looks like. So here's some pictures of that. Here's one of my nieces. Uh, somebody that year decided, hey, let's throw in another pair of pajamas. That'll be fun. There's my brother, and he's uh, considerably taller than I am. And you can tell, I think he ripped the zipper out that year. And then here's my grandfather in his uh, you know, fighting pose in those pajamas. And uh, you can tell there's no pictures of me here. And there are pictures, but none here that I'm showing you. We'll just keep those private. But the thing about those pajamas is everybody works really hard every year to avoid that gift. And the conversation kind of goes like this. Who had them last year? Like, who had them last year? So you're going to watch them as they walk in with their gifts to figure out which one might be the gift that we don't want. You want to avoid those gifts. And there's only so many ways that you can wrap pajamas. And my family gets really creative at how they wrap pajamas because nobody wants them. But think about this. God never does that with us. God never looks at our gifts, the, the good things that we think that we offer, the terrible things that we bring to him. He never looks at that stuff and avoids them. He never tries to avoid anything that we offer. He takes our terrible gifts and gives us greater gifts in return. We've learned that in this series. So two weeks ago, we learned that we could exchange our worry for God's peace. And last week, we learned that we could exchange our sadness for God's joy. And if you missed either one of those messages, I really encourage you to go to our iTunes, our website, our YouTube, our Facebook uh, account, and listen to those messages. Tim and Brian delivered those messages, and they delivered some of the most powerful personal messages that you'll hear related to a gift exchange. And if you haven't heard them, I encourage you to listen to them. Today, we're going to talk about exchanging our baggage for God's best. And to do that, we're going to read a portion of Matthew chapter 1, uh, that song that Matt and our worship team was singing a little bit earlier. And you'll understand in a minute why uh, this passage is rarely taught out of. Uh, this passage is rarely read around Christmas time. And yet, in it, I think, contains a very powerful message for us today. Um, now, I'm going to shift and do something different than I did in the first service. First service, I read from my Bible, but I discovered that the font is way too small for me to read uh, on stage, and so I'm going to shift and read from the screen here. So this is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1. We'll go to verse 16. Bear with me as we go along, and as I'm reading, see how you do at naming some of these guys. Okay, here we go. So this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nishan. Nishan 
Sean was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hold on. Okay. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiakim and his brothers born at the time of exile to Babylon after the Babylonian exile. Jehoiakim was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abi, Abi, Abiud. Sorry. Man, I knew I was going to mess one of those up, and I did it. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zodok. Zodok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Matan. Matan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. So... If you're looking for some fresh baby names that nobody else is going to use this you know, year, God hooked you up this morning with some baby names for you. Like, wow. Uh, talk about a challenge. So you would understand why most people are not going to open up Matthew chapter 1 and read that to their kids on Christmas morning. Because uh, everybody would be like, what? And who begat what? And was a father of what does that mean? Like, I don't even really know. But hidden within this chapter is one of the most encouraging Christmas messages ever. And it's found in some interesting ways and delivered in a very interesting way as we look at some of these people and who they are. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of us could pick out a few names that we recognize. Like probably everybody recognized the name Abraham. Maybe a lot of people recognize David. You may not know all about David, but you probably have an idea of what David was like, what David did. And then there's a really good chance everybody understands who Mary and Joseph are. But do we really know their stories? Do we know the stories of the other people in Jesus' lineage? So, for example, um, tell me about Abraham. Tell me what you know about Abraham. This, you can participate out loud. Was that man of faith? Yep, he was a man of faith. Who was he the father of? He was the father of... The nation of Israel. So he became the father of the nation of Israel. God specially chose him and gave him a promise, a really big promise. God promised to give him more descendants than there were stars in the sky. God promised to bless him and all of his descendants and bless the entire world through his descendants. God promised to bless uh, those who bless him and curse those who curse him. So God gave this amazing promise to Abraham, but the only problem was he didn't have any kids. And so Abraham one day said, like, God, what good are your promises? You promised to give me all this stuff, but it's no good. I don't have any children to pass this on to. And so when God wasn't working fast enough, Abraham decided to have a child with his wife's servant. Anybody think that might have caused some family dysfunction? Like at the time, even his wife thought this was a good idea. And later they realized this is a horrible idea and it has led to some of the major conflict that happens still in our day, especially in the Middle East. God eventually blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son. Anybody remember his name? 
Isaac. So Ishmael was one of those sons. Um, but Isaac was the next son that was given to specifically Abraham and Sarah. And Isaac grew up and he had some problems. He had some real parenting issues. Uh, he liked to play favorites. So he loved his son Esau. And his wife loved their son Jacob. And there's a sentence in scripture that basically says that. And it uh, is a sentence that brings all kinds of pain and hurt into that family and into kind of the civil war that happened as a result of that. Well, their son Jacob grew up and he learned from his dad how to play favorites with his son. And so he played favorites with his own kids and he had a lying problem and he had a stealing problem as well. Then we get to Tamar. So Tamar has an interesting story for two reasons. Number one, she's the first of four women listed in Jesus' lineage. And I got to tell you how big of a deal that was, because back then, nobody would record a woman in their lineage. No offense, ladies. But back then, you were viewed more like property than anything else. And yet God strategically and purposely placed these women in Jesus' lineage. I'm so grateful that he did. And we can learn a lot from these ladies. Now, the second interesting story about Tamar is that she dressed up like a prostitute to seduce her father-in-law so she could have a child. A little creepy, don't you think? Yeah, remember, this is a Christmas story, okay? <laughs> Rahab was another prostitute. David, somebody that I think a lot of people are familiar with, that little shepherd boy who took on Goliath, became uh, one of the kings of the nation of Israel, had a lust problem, and he tried to cover that up with murder. Then his son, Solomon, the third king of the nation of Israel, said to be the wisest man who ever lived, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, I am not the, the sharpest crayon in the box, but I'm thinking, Solomon, you can't have more than one wife. It's going to cause problems. Like, that's just not wise. And his foreign wives led him away from God and caused him to worship other gods. Ahaz and Manasseh, two kings of Israel, sacrificed their children to pagan gods. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine sacrificing your own child to some God because you think that God uh, wants you to demonstrate how faithful you are to them? So welcome to Jesus' dysfunctional family tree. Like, these are the people in Jesus' lineage. And they were filled with, it was filled with murderers and liars and cheaters and swindlers and prostitutes, and yet God still used them to bring the greatest gift into our world. And that's the gift of Jesus. Now, I don't think that any of these people in Jesus' lineage, especially the people that we've just highlighted, I don't think that they thought God would do anything like that through them. I think most of them thought, like, I've got too much baggage. I could never be used by God like that. And I think that there are still some of us today who have that same kind of thought. There are many people today who think, you know what, God could never use me. I've got too much baggage. I've got too much junk in my past. I've done too many bad things. I'm just not good enough for God to use me. But listen to this. God loves to use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will in the world. God loves to use imperfect people. Anybody other than me imperfect? There's a whole room full of us. God loves to use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. 
in the world. And here's the thing about our baggage. Our baggage cannot stop God from working in our lives and in the world around us. Our baggage can't. No matter how messed up you think you are, no, ma- how, no matter how many bad things you think you've done, no matter how far you think you've gone from God, God can still use you. And God still wants to be in a relationship with you. And if you've wandered from him, he wants you back. If you haven't started a relationship with, you, with him, he wants to start a relationship with you. Another amazing thing about Jesus' lineage is that it shows us God doesn't just use certain people. God doesn't just use religious people. He doesn't just use wealthy people. He doesn't just use famous people. He uses everyone. And that means God can use me. And that means this morning God can use you. So I don't know what baggage you're carrying this Christmas, but over 2,000 years ago, God came to exchange your baggage for something better. And he he did that in the most unusual way. So I want you to think with me for a moment of how you would respond in this situation. So just imagine for a second that we are God. And we often imagine that more than just a second. Like we like to play God in our lives. I like to play God in my life. But imagine for a second that you're God and you're going to reveal yourself to your creation. How would you do that? How would you reveal yourself? Go ahead and participate out loud. Through a burning bush, some big supernatural way. Anybody else? Through what? Through, through love? So yeah, so I'm thinking for me, I'll tell you mine, that was a sweet Jesus answer. I like that. Okay, so my answer is not going to be so sweet or Jesus-y. So if I were God, I would show off my power. Like I would want like a million angels behind me. I'd want to show up with lightning bolts and smoke and fire. And like, here I am, look at my glory. I'm here to take your baggage and zap it with my power. 2,000 years ago, God became flesh. He didn't show up in the form of a full-grown man. He showed up in the form of a baby, a helpless baby, and put himself in the care of his own creation. Would you do that? I wouldn't. But our God did. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. What an amazing way for God to show up to take our baggage. I want you to think for a moment about the baggage that Joseph and Mary carried around the birth and life of Jesus. So again, for them, they were part of a community, part of a community where people knew them, where people loved them, They knew they were engaged to be married. And then all of a sudden, Mary comes along with this crazy story. Before we got married, she became pregnant. And she says, the baby within her is God's baby. Like, 
Yeah, like anybody's really going to believe that. Nobody was going to believe that. Joseph didn't believe that until the angel showed up to tell him. But then Joseph was in this weird spot. He's got to make a decision. Like, if he marries her, then there's going to be a whole lot of people thinking he's trying to cover up his own sin, or he's not courageous enough to stand up to Mary in her wayward ways. So either way, there's going to be a whole lot of people for the rest of their lives that think they're lying. There are those people, oh yeah, you know, Mary and Joseph have Jesus. They claimed it was God's baby, but it's really not. So imagine the baggage that they would carry for most of their lives. And then I want you to imagine, if you can, just this moment where the truth became revealed, where Jesus was born. Mary knew the truth about Jesus. Joseph knew the truth through the angel. And that moment that Jesus was born, again, I don't know that we can fully grasp this. If you're a mom, maybe you get closer to that. As your dad, maybe hold your own child, maybe you can get glimpses of it. But they're holding God in the flesh, the one who created everything, the one who created them. And they're holding him, and they're taking care of him, and they're feeding him, and changing his diapers. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like? I don't know when the last time you held a baby was, but um, I love holding babies, especially when they're asleep. It's really fun when they're asleep. Uh, There's just something special about holding a baby that, for me personally, seems to dissipate some of the stress that I'm feeling in my life. Yeah, I may be wound up about stuff at work or worked up over some relational issue, and yet holding a baby, there's just something sweet about that. Kind of takes that stress, that baggage, that pressure away. I felt that way uh, when each of my four kids were born. There's just something special about that. I felt that way just over a year ago when my grandson was born. Anybody want to see a picture of me and my grandson? (laughs) Whether you want to or not, here you go. (laughs) So here's my grandson. So uh, he's like 14 months old now. So this was just a few weeks after his birth. And you can tell we are having some very deep conversations about life here. We are gazing into each other's eyes. And you know we're just talking about the future and Jesus and a lot of cool stuff. And um, the cool thing is he brought his mom and dad down to visit us for Christmas. And so he's here now. But we're not having these deep conversations anymore because he's running around the house like a Tasmanian devil. So we have these really quick conversations. And then he's off to something else. But it's so sweet to have these conversations uh, with him and be learning uh, about how to help him grow in his relationship with God. But over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to take our baggage. He showed up in the form of a baby. He came to exchange our baggage for his best. And then that little baby grew up. And listen to what that man said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. There's a really good chance today that there's a few of you here that are weary. You're tired from the baggage that you've been carrying. You're tired from the stuff that you've been running from. You're tired from the stuff you've been trying to figure out and you haven't been able to figure out, but there's a really good chance that you are weary this morning. Here's the message that God has for you. Jesus says this. He says, bring me your baggage 
and I'll exchange it for my best. Bring me your burdens and I'll exchange it for my rest. So it really is possible this Christmas season for us to experience the greatest gift exchange ever where we bring some really terrible gifts and give those to Jesus. And Jesus gives us something amazing in return. So here's how we can do that. If you're a Christ follower, the really cool thing about that is that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And what we need to do to give him our baggage is to tell him what that baggage is. It's a conversation. He knows what the baggage is. He knows the stuff that's in our world. He knows the stuff we're running from. But he wants to hear from us. So if the baggage you're carrying is something from your past, tell him about that. If it's something in your present, tell him about that. If it's something that you're running from, tell him about that. Something that you're afraid of, tell him about that. If it's something that you're angry about, you're bitter over, tell him about that. He actually wants to hear that stuff from us, and he wants to take that from us. But here's what we have to do. We have to tell him, we have to give it to him, and then we have to leave it with him. And I don't know about you, but I have found in my life that leaving things with God is one of the hardest things to do. Like giving stuff to God is easy. I give stuff to God all the time. God, I don't know what to do about this. You take it. I don't know how to handle this. You take it. And then 30 minutes later, 30 seconds later sometimes, I take it right back. And I go through that dance again. But this is what Psalms 55, 22 says. It says, give your burdens to the Lord and he'll take care of you. He'll take care of us when we give those to him and leave those with him and trust that he's going to work something great out of that. Trust that he's going to exchange like our terrible gifts that we're giving him with his best. So some of you this morning, that'd be the greatest gift exchange you could ever experience is leaving your baggage here and walking out with Jesus' best and walking out in Jesus' rest. Now, for others of you, maybe you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, Maybe you've heard about that. Maybe you've thought about that. Maybe you've entertained that thought, but just have never gotten to that spot where you've made a decision on your own to do that. So today could be the day that you, you exchange your baggage for God's best by starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the reality of why Jesus was born. Uh, the angel told Joseph that in Matthew one twenty one, he said, Mary will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The way that Jesus did that was he grew up, he lived a perfect life. He took our baggage, he took our sin on himself as if he had committed those sins and he died with them so that we could receive the gift of eternal life. Talk about gift exchange. That's the most amazing gift exchange ever. And Jesus did that willingly because of his love for us. And if you've never responded to that, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today could be the day that you do that. This could be the moment that you become a child of the king. So I want you to do something for me. On your seat is a card, looks like this. It says gift exchange on one side. Uh, There should be some scattered around. If you need to share with somebody, I encourage you to do that. And there's two statements there that I want us to look at for just a minute. The top statement says this. Today, 
I'm exchanging my baggage for God's best by putting my faith in Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and I believe Jesus is my savior. So today I ask him to come into my life and save me from my sins, save me from my burdens, save me from my baggage. And some of you might be in that spot where you're ready to make that decision. And if you are in that spot, what I encourage you to do is to pray a prayer similar to this one. It could be this prayer. It could be something similar to this. And then I encourage you to check that box. Now, let me be clear about something. When you and I stand before God and he asks us this big question, I think it's going to come to all of us. I think he's going to ask this. I think he's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? If anybody here says, well, because on September 22nd, 2019, I sat in Epic Church and I checked a box, that's not going to be good enough. It's not about checking a box. It's about a declaration that we make. It's about a prayer. It's about inviting Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. So checking a box is just a symbolic thing for us. You can pray these words all of your life, and if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to you for all of eternity. You could pray words similar to this and mean it with all of your heart, and it will mean everything for you for all of eternity. So if you're in that spot where you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus and you know that you need to do that, I encourage you to to pray that prayer during our service, and then you can check that box. There's another box there, though. Second box says this. Today I'm exchanging my baggage for God's best by coming back to him. I have wandered from Jesus and am weary from carrying that burden. So God, please forgive me and help me understand that you still want me and you will still use me. That may apply to a number of us. Maybe life has just gotten you weary. Maybe there have been some things in your past that have have caused you to, to feel like you can't be in a right relationship with God. It's kind of pushed you away from him. The reality is God wants you back. If you drifted from him, God wants to be in a right relationship with you and he wants you to come back to him. And so if you're in that spot today where you recognize that, I encourage you to check that box. And here's what I encourage all of us to do, whether you check a box or not. I encourage all of us, when we celebrate communion, to bring this card up to our communion table like the greatest gift exchange ever. So bring it up like you're going to exchange this for God's best and leave it on our communion table and then receive God's best in return either a relationship with Jesus for the first time or renewed relationship with Jesus or God's rest that he provides you so that you don't have to carry that baggage anymore. And here's what I want you to do when you leave today. Don't go back and pick up your card. I know nobody will probably do that. But symbolically, don't do that either. As you leave today, don't symbolically go back and pick up that thing that's been your baggage and carry it out with you. Leave it here. Walk out new. Walk out as a new creation. Walk out freer. Walk out lighter from the stuff that you came in with today. Now, if you've never celebrated communion with us, let me tell you how we're going to do that. We've got six different communion stations set up. We've got two up front, and we've got four in the back. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray And then our worship team is going to guide us through a a closing song. And as they do that, you're going to be free to get up from your seat, move to any one of these tables to celebrate communion. As you come up, bring your gift. And then leave that at the communion table 
pick up the communion elements. Communion elements, you'll find at the table little pieces of bread or little pieces of cracker or little cups of juice and little cups of juice. And when you come up, grab a little piece of bread or a piece of cracker, which represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. And then pick up a little cup of juice, which represents Christ's blood, which was poured out for us. Now, the interesting thing about Christmas is that it cannot be separated from Easter. It cannot be. What we celebrate with, through communion at Christmas time is reality. We're celebrating the book end of Christmas, and that's Easter, that Jesus died and then rose from the grave for us. So remember that as we're celebrating his birth, his death, his resurrection, and then through communion, we'll be announcing his death until he comes again. So when you come up, pick up the elements, and then you can uh, step to one side, or you can go back to your seat. And when you're ready, I encourage you to have a short prayer with God, a quick conversation about being grateful for the gift exchange for what you gave him and receiving his best in return. And then when you're ready, go ahead and take the communion elements on your own. And by the end of this song, everybody should have taken the communion elements. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 23 says this. It says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Lord, what an honor it is for us to gather this Christmas and celebrate the birth of our Savior. God in the flesh. Jesus, you became flesh for us. You became flesh to live a perfect life and to take our baggage on yourself and to die with that as if you had done all those things so that you could exchange it for something better. You could give us your best. You could give us your rest. Lord, this morning, there's a really good chance there's a bunch of people here that are weary They're tired from carrying their baggage and their burdens, whether that's something from the past, whether that's something in their present, whether that's a fear for the future, Lord, whatever that is, they're tired. And you offer this amazing gift exchange, but we actually have to come to you. We have to tell you what this stuff is. We have to give it to you. We have to leave it with you. And then we have to receive and return what you offer us. And as we've been learning in this series, we can receive your peace We can receive your joy. We can receive your rest. So Lord, I pray for those that may need to make that exchange this morning. Lord, there just might be a few folks here today that have never put their faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. So Lord, I pray that today will be the day that they make that decision they invite you into their heart, that they admit they're sinners in need of a savior. They believe that you are that savior and then they ask you to come into their lives. 
to guide them through the rest of their lives. Lord, I pray that they would make that declaration today, that declaration that can transform their today and their forever. God, thanks for being a God who loves us so much that you would come to the earth for us to take our baggage so we can receive your best. We sing you your praises this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You are now free to get up and come celebrate communion.